Hey everyone, join us as we tackle a very polarizing current event, uh, OSHA and COVID vaccine requirements. In today's global economy, quality matters. Benjamin Franklin once quipped, the bitterness of poor quality remains long after the sweetness of low price is forgotten. Quality Matters is here to talk about all things quality. So whether you're looking to improve your business, getting ready for an audit, or dealing with failed inspections, tune in, check us out, then get back to doing work that matters. Hey everyone, welcome back to Quality Matters, brought to you by Texas Quality Assurance, where quality management gets simplified. I'm Darcy. I'm Kyle. And I'm going to apologize to y'all in advance. I didn't really give Kyle permission to pick this episode's topic. He kind of took it. Um, I am going to try to keep him reined in and not say anything inappropriate. That's a tough job there. It was a very tough job. <laughs> if you could only see the piles of paper that he has in preparation for this episode, <laughs> I I am afraid I'm not even going to have a sentence to discuss or a question to ask. Well, this is the way I do research. So we are going to be, we like to throw in current events. And currently, you know, we're still dealing with COVID-19, vaccines, masks, mandates you know federal government state government all the things mm-hmm. um so as most of you know biden has said all employers with more than 100 employees will be required to have their employees either get the vaccine or show a negative covid test weekly correct and uh osha is going to be the one to enforce that yes so <clears throat> well supposedly Kyle has many inches of piles of paper to share with you. I've only read half of it fully. All right, let's okay, go. Cool. So this is kind of a little more importance now from, I guess it would have been a year ago, because um, we've had a lot more health and safety work come our way in the last year. And since this is getting pushed out through an OSHA mandate, this is actually really important for us to research and learn on our own. Um, but yeah, so this is really interesting stuff. Now, as of today, when we're recording this, the new OSHA standard, they call them an ETS. Go ahead and make noise. Should, should we, um, say the date we're recording this? Are you going to release it next week? I don't know yet. Okay. So well, we're recording on yeah. September 17th. Yes. So. So the ETS emergency temporary standard from OSHA, the Occupational Health and Safety Administration, has not yet been released for this mandate. Okay. But they did release earlier this year a very, very similar one for healthcare workers. Regarding the COVID-19 vaccine? Regarding uh, COVID-19 precautions. Okay. So it kind of gives us an idea of the direction that OSHA could go for for workplace safety. Um, So I have a question. Yeah. When OSHA puts these new standards, procedures, whatever, in place... Mm -hmm. Is it discussed amongst the board? Is it because uh, the president said so? What determines how new standards get put in place or requirements? 
it's generally a long process. They've got a branch of the federal government that works to do this. They have certain boards that you can sit on. So not the same, but similar to like the, um, for ISO, I sit on the uh, TC-176 committee. And so I get documents to review. I can vote yes. I can vote no. I can give my opinion on it. And they use that to make the new additions and revisions of the ISO standard. Okay. In the case of OSHA, it's a lot of them are federal employees. Um, and they review and revise these standards. Now, I'm not real educated on the whole process there of how these things hmm. get developed. It's probably honestly been 10 years since I did research like this on it. I'd be interested to know because, like you said, it's federal employees. So is it federal employees that just sit and make standards? Or is it people like you who like, hey, I'm really working in the real world doing the real thing. So right. I'm, I have, you know. I will do some more research on that. Okay. Um, so you'll need to buy some more paper for the printer. I did already. <laughs> um, but OSHA does take a lot of input from other organizations. So like uh, NIOSH, ANSI, um, NIH, CDC, all these different organizations and the research they do does get fed into OSHA. So like we all have to wear safety glasses for most workplaces. Well, those safety glasses have to be Z87 compliant. And Z87 is the ANSI, American National Standards Institute, specification for safety glasses. Okay. And so your safety glasses have to be Z87 compliant. Otherwise, they're not safety glasses. Okay. Um, so they get lots of weird input for stuff like this. Um, but yeah, so they're supposed to be releasing an emergency temporary standard. Now, OSHA does have the authorization to release these emergency temporary standards from when the law was put in place in 1970. And basically what they have to do is they have to show evidence that there's some new grave danger or identified new grave danger to the workplace, and then they can put these standards in place. Okay. Um, so that's what they did earlier this year, really very the recently. the healthcare workers. For healthcare. Now let me see what the date on this was. It's June 21st. Of this year? Of this year. Okay. So if you go to your doctor's office, you've probably noticed they all have damn near equi equivalent um, plexiglass in the front. They've all got a lot of precautions that are all the same across the board now. They've got certain uh, ways that things are taped off, things are roped off. All of these things are coming as a direct result of, of the guidance being pushed down from OSHA. Okay. So the same thing's going to happen in the workplace, and they're supposedly going to require a vaccine, which is really, really interesting because OSHA's never, never required a vaccine. It's mm -hmm. never been mandatory to get shot. Well, now it's supposed to be. So it's kind of odd. So with saying that, I know somebody is going to say, oh, no, no, there's the hep B shot. Yes. So let's go ahead and discuss this. I know you and I have already discussed it in preparation for this. Yes. So I have it printed out here. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> All right. So the hep B vaccination um, is, as far as I know, and I'm, I'm pretty certain I'm correct on this, the only vaccination that OSHA actually recommends. The hep B vaccination um, is required to be offered to any employee 
who takes part in like the uh, first aid type program. You're some sort of an emergency responder for your workplace. It's also required to be offered to anyone that's uh, got the potential of being introduced to bloodborne pathogens, right? So maybe someone vomits on you, you cuts, abrasions, mouth to mouth, any of these type things. So like healthcare workers again. Yeah, it could be healthcare workers, but also when I was safety manager, everyone that we got trained for first aid and CPR we were required to pay for the hepatitis B vaccine series for them at the company's cost. Now, if the employee refused to get the vaccine, which they can refuse for any reason they choose to refuse. Yes, I wanted to bring that up. Yes. So they can refuse, and then there's a process we got to follow, um, but we have to offer it to them as an option. The Really, the only reason it's hepatitis B vaccine that's offered is because there's really not vaccines for other bloodborne pathogens now um like hiv there's there's no vaccine for hiv okay um and there's testing requirements in here so not all of this is completely unprecedented although i think it's unprecedented how often we hear the word unprecedented these days (laughs) um so let's say darcy here is the first aid responder at my office or my workplace i am sorry because you will die (laughs) i I panic in emergent situations Not and, a good choice. And so I get cut and she gets bled on. Okay. okay. So Darcy has the right, according to OSHA, to go to our respective employer and say, I want his blood tested for hepatitis B and HIV because I want to know if I got exposed. The company is then required by law to come to me and say, Kyle, you bled all over Darcy. No, they'll say it in better words, but you bled all over Darcy when she saved your life. She wants you to get tested for hepatitis B and HIV to know if she's at risk. If I say yes, the company pays for it at the company cost. If I say no, Darcy can go through the court system and do whatever she needs to do outside because it's now no longer an OSHA matter. But Darcy could get tested on the company dime as well. Yes, Darcy can get tested as well to see if she had any exposure and needs to worry so about anything. So either way, it's on the company dime. Yeah, so requiring the COVID test of employees in itself isn't unheard of. OSHA's done things like this. Making vaccination available to employees, not heard of. Of course, it's now all being paid for by the federal government anyways. Um, so none of that's terribly unheard of. But requiring employees to get stuck and requiring employees to get tested, completely new. This has never never happened in the 50 year 50 plus year history of osha we've never done anything like this before and from what i've read if they choose the vaccine then the workplace the employer is required to allow them time off for the vaccine and any time off for recuperation for side effects caused by the vaccine yeah and again the well the standard isn't out yet although it's possible that by the time you're listening to this podcast the the standard is out. So then my question is, if I choose not to get the vaccine and I have to go weekly to get tested, mm-hmm. am I going to get to do that on the company's time as well? You should be able to, because if we look in the um, uh, the standard for it's uh, anyone that wants to look this stuff up, it's CFR, Code of Federal Regulations, 1910. 1910 is the section for general industry. And this is section 130, and this is for bloodborne pathogens. Is it 130 or 1030? Oh, sorry, 1030. Okay. Sorry. Yes, 1030. Um, is, yeah, it's on the company dime that you go get um, tested. We would 
send people for their, uh, I say, t well, I guess tested includes as well. We never had to test anyone for a disease, so I can't speak directly to that. But, uh, yeah, we'd send people on company dime during their pre-scheduled work shift to go mm -hmm. get the uh to go get the shot and it's a uh the hepatitis b vaccine was a three shot series mm -hmm. so you had to go three separate times to do it so i mean like we would train you know we'd have 10 to 15 people on staff at all time trained for this so, i mean that's a lot of work time dedicating to go getting the shot i was just thinking you know you got 100 employees and i don't know what the percentage of the population is that is or isn't vaccinated but if we correlate that to a workplace that, that in itself is expensive i wish i knew i'm gonna go keep talking i'm gonna google what pop the percentage of the population okay um so yeah not all of this is is entirely brand new but a lot of it is and i guess the concerning part for me is osha's appearing to be a bit hypocritical and that uh -oh, bothers me greatly. you're calling them out it bothers me greatly because i I love to criticize, especially when people put things in writing. I love to criticize and find little nuances and, and ways that it doesn't work out and contradictions. I mean, look, that's literally my job, right? Literally my job of what I need to do. Um, and I've always been a, a strong advocate of how well-written the OSHA CFRs are. You know, how well-written these safety programs and policies are. It really makes a lot of sense. There's a lot of good that can be done to keep people safe, to make certain that they go home in a better condition than they went to work in. Okay. Um, this one bothers me a bit. And we talked about this last year when we did it. Did you already say which one this one was while I was Googling? What? You said this one bothers me. What is oh, this one? Oh, I'm about one? to say it. Okay. So, um, is the mask. We talked about masks last year, right? Mm -hmm. And so there are, if you look at uh, CFR 1910-134, I got it printed out here somewhere. Pardon him while he digs through his piles. While you're looking for that, I did just quickly <laughs> look up how many Americans are um, vaccinated, and it looks like about half. It says 51.1% okay. have received the full course of vaccinations. That was in August. So... You correlate that to, you know, mm -hmm. 100 employees. Right. That's 50 of your employees that weekly yeah. are going to have to take time off mm -hmm. to go get tested. And have you been tested? It's They stick that Q-tip all the way to the back of your brainstem. It's horrible. Praise God. I have not been tested. <laughs> um, but no, like if you take a look at the respiratory protection uh, standard in it, they talk about very, very, very granular specific requirements for face masks. Um you know, the N95 face mask, which none of the masks we wear on a daily basis are nearly as good as the N95 mask. Correct. Um, but the N95 mask only protects you for things up for 95% of particles of three point, uh, sorry, three microns or larger. Okay. Well, okay. the coronavirus is 0.125 microns. Yeah. And now, granted, the coronavirus has to live with inside a little bubble of water. Right. But even that little bubble of water that it lives inside two microns and that virus is happy as can be so even the best masks we have available don't do a whole lot to help us um and actually repeated use of these masks and osha talks about this in their their standards and this is what's really bothered me with the masking is in the respiratory protection clause once i take that mask off it's trash mm -hmm. i don't get to put it back on 
I really wanted one of the kids to do this for science fair to get some kids know, masks. But we don't have the and lab equipment to do it. You just use the petri dishes like we did with but Eli and his hands that one year. Well, that's <laughs> that was true. pretty nasty. That's true. But petri dishes only test for bacteria, which bacteria are many times larger than a virus and especially well that's my point from them wearing these masks repeatedly what other bacteria is growing on them yeah and And, what harm is coming from that and again this is where you know and to go back and to be devil's advocate for the mask i was reading a little bit like you know guys i tell y'all it was so it's hard for me to understand this kind of stuff my brain is not Scientific. Anyway, so I was trying to read a little bit yesterday about the microns, and I did read the saying that the coronavirus is about five microns. It lives in a bubble. And I guess the argument is that then it can... 0.125. Okay, 0.125. Well, then what was I reading? Something about it can hang out in the air. It can. And then... Because these drops of water are so small that they can hang around in the air for up to six hours. So as long as the virus isn't exposed to UV light or dry it out, it's, it'll sit there and survive in that droplet for a long time. Because that's the thing about viruses, they don't have metabolism, nothing like that. So they just kind of sit there and hang out until they get drier, bombarded with UV light. Um, so yeah, there, there's a lot there. Um, OSHA did release, and this is where the, the first part of the kind of the hypocritical part comes into play, is they did release um, another temporary standard um 1910.504 for mini respiratory protection program and this is in response to uh, covid and they referenced so this is a recent release yeah and they referenced the 1910.134 but this is basically giving us the authorization to use pretty much anything we want on our face as a respirator and it's just it's kind of silly and it really really bothers me And not for all the political reasons everyone else cares about, but it really bothers me because I have been a strong advocate of they do a damn good job of providing good, common-sense rules to keep people safe. Mm -hmm. This bothers me. This bothers me a lot because I can't say that anymore. Mm -hmm. And so far as the requirement for testing, OSHA with hepatitis B, which if you get hepatitis B, guess what? You're probably going to die. Right. Maybe not today, but sometime over the course of your life. And if you don't die over the course of your life, you're going to be on daily medication regimens for the rest of your life, or at least for a long period of time until we get better treatments available. Mm -hmm. And they didn't require any didn't require vaccine for that. And this is for people who volunteer to be on the the first aid CPR team for a company. Right. Um, and we've used the argument that, well, if you join the military or the healthcare field, like you're required to get vaccinated for so many things, you know, or visit in a buddy recently. Yeah, we were talking about this yesterday. Like, Kyle, you have no idea how many things they shot my arm up with. I said, yeah, but you signed the papers to join the military and I didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so these things kind of bother me. Um, this is likely going to become a uh, definitely a two-parter episode, but I want to go through um, some of these standards in a bit more detail. And really kind of understand what these requirements are and what people are going to be facing here soon. And a bigger question is, does OSHA even have the capability to enforce these mandates? Okay, well, I guess I'll wrap up our first part. Yes. Thank you so much for checking out and listening to the Quality Matters podcast podcast brought to you by texas quality assurance now want to let you know a little bit about 
Texas Quality Assurance, what we do. So we provide a full suite of services for small and mid-sized businesses to help you with your quality management and compliance systems at large. Whether we're talking internal audit, software, consultation, you name it, we are here for you to support you in doing what matters most to you.